In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, I'm Father Spencer. I'm one of the co-rectors here at the table. And this Maundy Thursday, I have the privilege of proclaiming good news, not from above, but as one from amongst you. And today, we proclaim the good news that in the face of Christ, we see the face of the Creator God. Jesus refuses to wield violence against creation, but instead enters into and moves through the violence of creation to save it. Our Old Testament reading is a song of praise, which is not uncommon. There are loads of these songs of praises scattered throughout the First Testament of the Bible. However, it is unique in that it directly follows the drowning of Pharaoh's army. The signs are there, it's sprinkled throughout the passage that we read, but the preceding verses include some of the most gruesome language, and that's excluded from our reading. So some of what we miss are things like, I will sing to the Lord, for God has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider, God has thrown into the sea. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, God cast into the sea. Pharaoh's picked officers were sunk in the sea. The floods covered them, and they went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. These are the proclamations and the horror that they retell, and they precede a song of praise. Yes, God has just saved Israel, but it comes at a cost. The price of their freedom is the massacre of their enemy. Our psalm joins in recounting this tale as part of its song of praise by saying, Who cut the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but churned Pharaoh and his army in its waters? Her faithful love is everlasting. And before that, who struck Egypt through their firstborn daughters and sons? Her faithful love is everlasting. Our Hebrews passage says, By faith... Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood in order that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch firstborn daughters and sons of Israel. Does it warm your heart? Or do you find yourself recoiling a bit, eager to get on with it and move to Easter for us to get into the gospel passage? Friends, we will get there. It's no wonder we have a complicated relationship with the divine and with religion. It's no wonder that the church has such a long and complicated history of endorsing and being complicit in violence. Look at all the violence in these passages, and it's being celebrated. Is it out of fear, do you think? A part of me can't help but see this response of the Israelites rejoicing on the the side of the Red Sea as part of a reaction of like, oh, we have got to figure out a way to stay in God's good graces because I don't want that to happen to me. Is this the character of our creator? Is this really why we ought to rejoice out of fear or desperation? Perhaps it really is just an authentic response of joy and gratitude. Israel has been long in captivity They've been held unjustly as slaves. They were beaten and worked to death. And some will say that we shouldn't recoil from the violent response of the divine to injustice. 
but I don't know. Church, Holy Week is the most violent week of the year on the Christian calendar. And as such, it is anything but simple. It's complicated. Just like the life that we, are, we find ourselves in today. Just like the world around us. And so we turn to Jesus. We turn to Jesus who is tearfully, fearfully, and faithfully moving toward his own violent death. And we watch. Just after Jesus utters the words of institution at the first Eucharist and the Last Supper, he tells his disciples, you will all become scandalized to the point of desertion because of me this night. The word for scandalized here is the Greek word scandalizo, which means to take offense at or to be offended by. So Jesus is telling the twelve that they will all be so offended by him that they will desert him that night. What action could their rabbi possibly take that would be so offensive to them that they would abandon him. I believe that we see this offensive action when his betrayer comes to him in the garden. Judas approaches Jesus and says, Peace, Rabbi, as he kisses him. And Jesus calls him a friend and says, This is why you have come. Then they grabbed Jesus and they took him. And suddenly someone with Jesus grabbed his sword and cut off the ear of the slave of the high priest. Here it is. This has to be the moment. It has to be time for them to rise up and overthrow this corrupt, abusive, oppressive government and institute the kingdom of God. Now must be the moment for the destroyer of the firstborn to shatter his enemies. But Jesus says, return your sword to its place, for all who choose the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think I'm not able to ask my Abba, who will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must be thus? And then he turns his attention to the crowd and says, Is it as for abandoned you all have come with swords and clubs to seize me? Daily in the temple I sat teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all of this has happened so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. And then the disciples deserted him and fled. There's something in this passage that's offended the disciples to the point of deserting their rabbi. I believe it was Jesus' refusal to baptize violence. Instead of doing so, he heals the wounded, he commands them to put their swords away, and he goes quietly. Beloved, today we proclaim the good news that in the tear-stained face of Christ, we see the face of the Creator God. The God known as the destroyer of the firstborn sacrifices himself as the firstborn of all creation for creation's sake. Jesus will not wield violence against creation, but instead enters into and moves through the violence of creation to save it. Scripture is complicated, how it talks of the divine, how it talks of violence. You better believe there is no plain reading of scripture. Nothing about it is simple. And yet all these complexities are held together in scripture. Scripture doesn't run for them, from them or gloss over them. They are there in writing and they've been passed down through centuries. The complexities, complications and tensions remain intact in the faith that we have inherited. Even and especially in the confusion and complexity of real life, God is present and at work. 
If you've come this Maundy Thursday searching for certainty, this is not the place. But in place of certainty, look upon the beauty and the horror of the cross. Let that be enough for now. You're not alone in your confusion, in your moment of desolation or loneliness or devastation and loss. You're not wrong to be confused or upset, angry at God. But look upon the cross, all of its violence and gore, and see that there's a holy mystery, God's instrument for salvation for all of creation. Today for our response, we'll just take a moment to sit silently and reflect together on the cross. The holy mystery of God refusing to use violence, but instead absorbing all of the violence creation had to offer. Church, let us reflect together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.